And welcome to my world. This is Andrew Ganas, and I am joined today by the first doctor of Lexington, uh, Dr. Matt Shane. How are you, sir? Doing very well. Thank you very much. Good, good. It's excellent to have you. Um, for those of you who don't know Matt Shane, uh, Matt is the most professional guy that I know, and he is also um, the one person that you can look at, and and whatever he tells you is true because he is actually a doctor. <laughs> well, I don't know if that's a hundred percent accurate, uh, but that is also true. I'm I'm pretty sure that that's how that works. I think just whatever you say is actual law. You're a lawyer as well. He's not a lawyer. He's not a lawyer. <laughs> no, I'm not a lawyer. Nor will be it. Nor will I be dispensing any medical advice on tonight's show. No, thank goodness. Yes, because that would uh, probably be unprofessional. Yeah, so. <laughs> I do like the title first doctor. It first doctor. sounds like I'm like married to the president or something like that. <laughs> I don't know. Well, you know the what do you got? You got the Surgeon General at the top of the line there. So, like, why don't we call him first doctor? I I don't know. Is um, it a military position? I think technically it is, yeah. but I'm not sure. <laughs> I, I know our current Surgeon General, which is just what everybody who's listening for gaming wants to talk about, um, <laughs> but uh, I think she uh, came out of the civilian world, but uh, but anyway, yeah, so. So yeah, Matt, um, well, you know, we like to start the show off uh, a couple of different ways, but we're going we're gonna to do something a little special tonight, and uh, we're going to talk about the late, great Christopher Lee for a moment. Oh, uh, great job! Yeah, well, just be, before we go into the full-on introduction of you, um, you know, Sir Christopher Lee, or as most of us know us, uh, as most of us know him, uh, Sauron from the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit uh, movies. Um, yeah, it um, it just you just gave away your age right there. See, yeah, because when when I think of Christopher Lee, most of the time I think of things like Man with a Golden Gun. Well, right. Or all the old Hammer films with him as Dracula or Frankenstein mm-hmm. or the Mummy. He <laughs> played opposite uh, Peter Cushing all the time. Oh yeah. Or oh yeah. I mean, all those old Hammer films. See, those I'm two guys. IMDb right now. I gotta, that's right. I gotta educate myself. No, yeah. All those kind of old uh, late, well, or really early '60s through the '70s horror films. Uh, a lot of times he was the antagonist, and you can choose. He was either Dracula or he was uh, Frankenstein in one, or Frankenstein's monster, I should say. Right. In one, he was the mummy. Uh, but Peter Cushing almost always was the scientist or Van Helsing or whoever it was that was fighting him like the whole time. Um, Did you know that apparently he was... His godfather was Prince Alexander of Battenberg. Where is Battenberg? I have no idea. I assume it's somewhere in the British Isles. Well, that is that is a grand, one of the grandsons of Queen Victoria. Well, so there you go. That. So, yeah. you know, I recently watched a movie about her. It was so bad, but it had uh, I think what was her name? This is the, the same girl. This comes back to uh, to James Bond. It's a girl who plays a M. What's her name? Judy Dench. Judy Dench. It was Judy Dench playing. Uh, Queen Victoria, and it was so slow. I could not like. It's very rare that I sit in a movie and I'm like, "Oh God!" Well, it was so a historical bad. epic. I mean, usually those don't have a lot of big action set pieces with a ton of CGI. I don't know. Well, I mean, unless it's Braveheart, you know. But yeah, well, <laughs> um, <it's not> true. <laughs> but uh, no, I just uh, a lot more butts in Braveheart, I think, than most historical epic. Most, how would it, I don't know. Zulu had a few butts, didn't it? Zulu did have a few butts. Zulu did have a few butts with a lot of loincloths with with Michael Caine. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but uh, so yeah, so so Christopher Lee passed away. 
Yeah, I was really bummed about that. I just found out about it yesterday on Facebook, which is where I get most of my news nowadays. But uh, it was, uh, yeah, it was very, very sad. I mean, it's amazing to me how long of a career that guy had. He was in 279 movies. It's almost like you're looking at IMDb or something over there. You would think that... uh, No, what it really is is I'm just an encyclopedia on Christopher Lee. That would explain the t-shirt. Yeah, that would explain that. Um, but no, uh, I forgot he was uh, he was Count Dooku also in Star Wars. Yeah. I forgot about that. He didn't think very highly of that role, by the way. As a matter no, of fact, I remember when you know because the Lord of the Rings was going on at the same time as his role in the Star Wars movies, right? And and in an interview, I remember in an interview they asked him kind of what he thought of the two and how are the two characters alike, and and essentially he said that, you know that that Star Wars was for kids and that Lord of the Rings was a much better movie, and essentially <laughs> threw George Lucas under the bus as a director. like, oh, he's a terrible director, and Peter Jackson's much better, and and all this other kind of stuff, but uh, no, he was a very accomplished actor. It, it, uh, yeah. you know, he was a very tall man. He was about six foot four. Yeah. Uh, which, when with that voice, and it's not like he's going to be the uh, romantic protagonist in any movie or anything like that. Nobody wants a tall, dark, <laughs> kind of gangly guy. It's like, and he's going to be your love interest. <laughs> it's like, no, it doesn't really work. Well, I mean. It- I mean, again, and I don't want to go on too long about it, even though, I mean, he's, he is an amazing actor, and, I mean, he's been in so many things, and we, and everybody knows who Christopher Lee is, but I just, wanted, I just wanted to take a little time at the beginning of the show here just to say, Christopher Lee, friends and family of him, uh, here in my world, uh, our thoughts are with you and our prayers, and we hope that... Uh, we hope that you got all the memories and joy with him that you wanted and that there were no regrets, and... Uh, I don't know. I guess that's. I'm going to pull a Forrest Gump. But that's all I got to say about that. So, um, yeah, back to the show. Sure. So, Matt, Doctor Shane, introduce yourself. You to just us. call me Matt. It's okay. I, I don't know, man. I have a hard time not being completely respectful of the title. I don't know if I ever told you, but my my uh, my mom's dad. He was a surgeon mm-hmm. uh, in Havana. Huh. And oh wow. Yeah, his 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 father was actually uh, the first one to bring uh, latex medical gloves to the island of Cuba. Like, oh wow! Like, like it, it's, it's like that, that not that long ago, you know. Yeah, and, no, uh, exactly. And uh, and so I mean, it was just uh, one of those things where anytime somebody has the ability to sit through school as long as you did, and and I mean, in the society that we live in now, with all the risks inherent in in anything, I mean, it's just it's one of those things. I have a lot of respect for your position, and so I feel almost like I should always talk to you by your titular name. <laughs> Well, I appreciate that, but it, you, it's really not necessary. It's uh, you know, it is a long uh, educational process, but I mean, I get to do the, what I think is the best job in the world, so right. it's not. You, it's worth it. It's probably the best way I would say it. I mean, okay. it's it's you know, we talk a lot about kind of geek or pop culture kind of stuff in here, but it, in my view, in many ways, it's probably the easiest way maybe to be a superhero yeah if possible i mean no matter what you do it's not the only job like that i mean i don't want to put down anybody else with very important similar jobs you know firemen police officers um military personnel i mean it's not like i'm getting shot at every day or anything like that right. so i'm not trying to trying to draw an equivalence there but i mean it, it's, it's a lot of fun i mean ultimately i get up every morning you know and I say I get to go help people today. I mean, how awesome is that? Right. So, yeah. I mean, that's it's great. But at the same point, um, feel free to call me Matt. Okay. You know, <laughs> I'll do that. Uh, I'll do that. You know, I, I say the same thing to myself every day when I wake up and I go sell houses. But 
really all I'm doing is helping people, you know, burden themselves with a mortgage. So, oh no, maybe <laughs> you're bringing dreams to life. I'm bringing the the the, the American dream to your door. It is. Though. It's part of the American dream. Yeah. It's part of the American dream. Got to have your your house with your picket fence and your two dogs and a cat and nine children and whatever. It, I don't know what classifies as the American dream anymore. Has that been updated since the 40s? I think. Well, you know, I think it's. I think the foundations of it are kind of the same as right. far as what the specifics are. Yeah. I mean, it just changes. I mean, your ability to pursue what you want to pursue mm-hmm. uh, without, and obviously, getting into anybody else's business necessarily, and kind of just making the best life you can. Absolutely. So, you know, this is this is uh, this is my show, and we talk about a lot of geeky stuff, and we haven't really gotten into. I mean, apart from a little bit we did about Christopher Lee and the knowledge that you have there, but how did you come to find out? that you are a bit of a geeky guy because I met you through Joe and through Brad uh, and we've had Brad on the air we had him right. on our first show and um, and you were down at uh, the game store you were down at the Battle Forge that's right and and you know I used to go down there a whole lot and I just haven't had the time in the last few years to make it into the store as often as I'd like to and growing up stinks doesn't it yeah it does you know I mean it's one of those things and, and actually that's something else we want to talk about later in the show is how you balance that professional lifestyle versus the geek lifestyle but how did you get into it? Because I know I met you late in your geek life. Oh, absolutely. How, how did you get to this point? Well, I, like most people, I mean, it's funny we talk about this thing like, how did you discover you're a geek? Like it's <laughs> a, uh, as, as one of our mutual friends says sometimes, it's, it's kind of like coming out. Yeah. Although not quite, well, it's not quite as, as severe as that, obviously. And there's not necessarily the stigma uh, well, there as well. have been points where there's been a stigma. Yeah, but I mean, at the same point, I, I wouldn't say that people aren't saying that geeks can't get married or anything like that. Right, We're not getting yeah. too public, you know, <laughs> or too political about it. But, but you know, it's one of those things. I think that everybody kind of is drawn to certain things. And it, as a kid, um, I was all I just always loved kind of fantastical stories. I mean, right. I'm a little bit older than you, but I remember, and I'm sure this was a big formative influence, was the fact that I saw Star Wars in 77 in the theater, and right. I was like four years old. Well, and you're it, the first person that I've had on who can actually say that. Yeah. I, I, mean, mean, I, I mean, I'm not going to lie to you, I wasn't born yet. I was I was born in 82, and so, I mean, that was, I don't even know, like, had they already come out with... Um, with uh, Return of the Jedi, or was that like a year or two later? I think they came out. Return of the Jedi was nineteen eighty three. Yeah, it was nineteen eighty three. Yeah, so, so I was I was months old when that happened. Yeah, <laughs> and but that was the thing. So I saw that as a kid, and it was it was like a revelation for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember coming back from the theater. I remember just kind of bits and pieces of images like that scene when you had the uh, Tuscan Raider he's hoisting the thing and screaming the camera. I still remember how I was <laughs> watching it there, um, and just loved it. Just loved it. Um, and always kind of liked sci-fi. And it was a very big kind of... Once that happened, of course, all the movies, because it made a bazillion dollars for its day. Right, yeah. Um, all the movies after that, especially that would come out, were all science fiction based. Right. And so I really, really liked sci-fi. Mm-hmm. And ever since then, I've always kind of been more preferential to sci-fi than, than to uh, to fantasy. Um, and we can talk about why that is at some other point. I don't want to insult the fantasy people. but And, and through then, you know, I had that. I liked that a lot. Um, at the same point, uh, I, we had Star Trek, which was also on when I was growing up every Sunday morning at like 11 o'clock. Right. Um, and so I was seeing that every single Sunday. And yeah. so it's kind of this this incubator of sci-fi goodness <laughs> to a certain extent. Uh, and all the toys that came out with Star Wars and all the advertising oh, yeah. was out with Star Wars. And then, you know, you had a lot of Saturday morning cartoons that were coming out that were all, like, super friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, it, so it really started as a young age. And, you know, it's it's funny. I, 
I would also go to my grandmother's house, and my uncle uh, had this box of old comic books. Right. Uh, like old 70s and, and, like and 60s comics. Like stuff? Uh, kind of late Silver Age, more Marvel Age is I think what they call it now, Bronze Age stuff. So we're talking like uh, mid to late 70s, a lot of Marvel, some DC. Yeah. Um, and so I'd go over to my grandmother's house, and I mean, there is like boxes of Legos, there's boxes of, of comic books. Mm-hmm. And so I was just voraciously kind of reading all these comic books as I'm over there. Yeah. Um, and would just love to go over do that. And then he'd loan me some at a time, and you'd take it home. And so you'd have this whole run of like Captain America or, or uh, Ghost Rider. Uh, and you'd take it home and you'd read through all the ones he had. Um, and then you'd bring those back. It was almost like a lending library of geekdom. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's funny how many people get into things like that from their uncles, though. Yeah. I was just thinking about that. Like, my dad was kind of a sci-fi geek, but he'd kind of moved past it, right. I think, by the time I, when I was a kid. You know, he was very much into his own kind of professional career at that point. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't a sourpuss. He just, it wasn't like now where you can have a certain amount of that juvenile um, interest, if you will, yeah. into stuff like you liked as a kid. I mean, that was, the baby boomers were kind of the generation where, well, I had all these great comic books, but my mom sold them when I was at college, and now I don't have them, I wish I did. Yeah. Uh, and so we didn't have a lot of that around the house, but the uncle had tons of it, you know. Um, and there are, there are a lot of things that uncles, I think, in the basement will introduce you to. Um, not just, uh, not necessarily just comic books, but uh, but that was kind of part of it. And ever since then, you know, as you grow up and you kind of stay in with it for a while, uh, had friends, of course, in high school, and I was always good in math and science. I mean, right. if you're looking, you know, talking about my career, if you're looking in medicine, a lot, a lot of these guys are, are geeks, right? I mean, we were right. all the science club, chess club nerds to a certain extent. Um, traditionally speaking, I traditionally speaking, so, yeah. I mean, there. Are, I mean, it, medicine's a broad field, right? Yeah. But it, it the point of the matter is, is those are the kind of people that tend to gravitate to a lot of these things, and and so I think that kind of helped with it. And then you get kind of to college. Um, and I'd fallen out maybe in a little bit as far as like the comic book following and stuff. Still like sci-fi, but mm-hmm. um, and then I got to college and, and had kind of fallen out by that point. But then I, you know I joined a fraternity at that point, and a couple of my close fraternity brothers happened to like comics a lot, and right. so it was kind of okay again <laughs> to kind of get into it, and they yeah. kind of got me into it, and uh, again so I'd start collecting again, and and you know you like you say it was a little different then mm-hmm. because this this kind of geek renaissance that we're experiencing now was not there at all. Right, uh, and I was actually talking to uh, to a friend of mine the other day about the differences there. And one of the differences was when you'd go down to the local comic store mm-hmm. and you'd buy these comics. Um, they give it to you in this nondescript like brown bag. <laughs> okay, I mean, <laughs> so so you'd have it, and then the second you had it, right, you you wanted to get back to your dorm or wherever you were living at the time as quickly as possible, and you certainly didn't want to run anybody you knew, right? Because that would invariably bring up the conversation of, well, what's in the bag? Yeah, what, and, what do you have? And, exactly. And so, you know, really, what comes in nondescript bags? You know, you have, like, drugs. Nothing good. It's way too small and thin to have groceries in. You can't say, well, you know, I'm picking up a ham. You, you know, it's, you, you also stop by another store before you go there. And you're right. like, yeah, I got to go. I got milk. Right. Well, you try. You know, that would ruin the comic, obviously, all the water, you know. These things are thought of, believe me. We've, we've kind of gone through that algorithm by, the, by that point. There's a, there's a whole protocol. Uh, but really, those kind of bags are really only going to hold either comics or porn and quite honestly of the two in college 
Comics is probably worse. Uh, I'm glad that it took me five episodes and a doctor to bring up porn. Well, <laughs> I figured you know, it was my medical duty to make sure we we talked about the sexual cycle. But uh, but anyway, so you had that, and it was so you'd run back and kind of just you know you'd read your comics, and you'd always like hide them in a, right. a, a drawer or something because God forbid you had a date or something like that, and you came back to your room and you're, you know there's Ant Man laying all over your, uh, all I, your bed. You know, you know, even now though, like. Uh, like I still date a lot. Like I don't have like a steady girlfriend right now, and um, and and so I'm sitting there, and just just the other night, I brought uh, a new girl to the house. I introduced her to my roommate, and sitting over on a table on its lonesome is my army of Bretonians sitting by itself, and I'm like. I can leave these out because normal people won't be offended by knights, but they might be offended by a chaos demon. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's, it's very funny. You're exactly right. And I, I, I can tell you, even when I was dating, it, that's a very precarious subject, is yeah. when do you bring this in? And this is not first date material, right? It's really not. It's really not. So you have to be kind and And actually, the way that you had it with those Bretonians is a perfect lead-in. You know, usually I would do something like, after two or three dates and you're hanging out, and you've kind of already established that, like, I'm t- not totally a creep you, you leave like maybe a comic out but it has to be like a mainstream comic yes, right? you, can't be, you, understand, right? yeah. you, you can't sit there and say you know like uh, Sinestro Corps can't it be laying there because that's way too much <laughs> stuff to go through but you can put like a Captain America or something like that out and she's like oh what's this and you're like oh yeah I kind of read comics from time to time nothing major major yeah. I, don't, I don't do this regularly well and then you're always throwing like the next highest grade of geek under the bus did you ever notice that where you're yeah. sitting there it's like well yeah I collect comics but I don't like dress up in LARP because those guys are just weird. They're just you're always, weird. Yeah. You're always willing to throw the next worst geek uh, totally under the bus to establish like I am normal. I've always wondered like you know what I should do? I should take a show one day and I should just just flesh out the entire cycle who blames what on who. Oh exactly. Well you know it's, it, it is funny because there is definitely a hierarchy. Yeah. I mean, even geeks will like acknowledge like well you know I uh, like for me I love Star Wars movies. Okay? Yeah. I love the Star Wars movies. I don't like the prequels so much but I've spent almost a decade of my life defending the prequels until I had a, you know, essentially an epiphany that I don't need to do that because they're actually quite bad movies. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, as I always used to tell people, it's like, no, I'm really into Star Wars, but I don't dress up to go to the movie premieres. Right. You know, because that was like the line. It's like, I'm, ju- I'm geeky, but I'm not kind of disturbed. I geeky. bought my tickets in advance, but I showed up to the theater on time. Right, exactly. <laughs> Well, I wouldn't say completely on time. I mean, you know, you don't want to be sitting up in the nosebleed section when you're watching right, a movie yeah. come out, you know. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah. So yeah, but we, we have a tendency to do that, which is both funny and 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 uh, maybe a little sad because we need as many people in the club as possible. Well, that's kind of. I mean, that's kind of one of the things that I've wanted to do with this show is to, you know, sort of let everybody know about all the different things that are out there and to show everybody that. It's all good, you know. You do you. That's what's fun. If you're if you're not true to yourself and you're not true to the things that you like and the things you want to do, I mean, short of like criminal activity, you know, then right. why not do it? Have fun with yourself. Go LARP if you want to. I've never done it, but you know what? If you come on my show and you ask me to, I will go with you. Right. I will go with you just to try it. Well, and you know, like like you say, it's although. For you and I, perhaps, the LARPing crowd or, the, you know, God forbid, the furry crowd uh, are a little bit past the spectrum of what we would consider something we would do normally. We just right. wouldn't feel comfortable with that or whatever, for whatever reason. We just It's just not our thing. 
even what what you and I do for some other people. Like I have friends that are also kind of sci-fi and, and geek nerds and stuff like right. that, but they're they're more on the standard side of the spectrum. So like painting miniatures or yeah. or doing war gaming or mm-hmm. even RPGs to a certain extent, which I don't do a lot of RPGs. You and I were talking about that earlier. Um, that's we're I, I recognize that we are farther than some people's. Yeah, and they're yeah. even farther down that spectrum. But uh, so you know, everybody's got their place, man. I mean, Just do what you like to do. And it's really interesting because it's all over the place. Like, uh, there's there's another friend of mine um, who, you know, she plays board games, and so I started talking to her about board games, and she's like Monopoly, and I'm like, I want to play, you know, oh, oh, what's the? Suddenly, I'm drawing a blank. Uh, I want to play Pandemic, and she's like, I want to play Monopoly, and I'm like, I'm not playing that kind of game. I'm playing a I'm playing a real game. <laughs> Well, you know, it, it's funny because you're exactly right. It, and now that you mention it, you know, my parents always played a ton of board games. Right. Um, and uh, and I was I liked it to a certain extent, but I remember we would go and visit like friends of ours in Cleveland, of all places, because I was born there. Um, and they would spend the entire weekend just playing board game after board game after board game with this other couple. Well, me and the, and the other guy and the kid that was my age, rather, we were just you know, childhood friends. We'd just go off and play G.I. Joe or whatever it is right. in the room. And they literally would spend all... I mean, they'd be just drinking and partying and just all night just playing board games right. kind of all night. And that was what they liked to do. And uh, and some of that, I guess, kind of rubbed off to a certain extent in some of, of what I like to do. I don't play as many of those normal board games anymore except with my kids. Yeah. Uh, and uh, But, yeah, I mean... Whatever games or whatever thing you like to do as a hobby, you can be a geek about it, and that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, we have sort of broached the subject a little bit here and there about how you balance this sort of geek culture life. Now, you're you're a family man. You have well, a you have a beautiful family. Thank you very much. Yes, and I I don't have one. So for me. It's all well, you've got a family. You just don't have well, a wife well, and kids. Right. Sorry, I don't have a wife <laughs> and kids. You weren't sprung yes. fully formed from the ether. Actually, I, I am very similar in many ways to one of the uh, the mud men or whatever that <laughs> comes right. up out of the just out of the ground. Um, I've mentioned my mother, but she's not real. I made her up. <laughs> That's right. Uh, but no, uh, you know, so so like I've had relationships that have lasted lengthy periods of time, and even then, I don't have a really easy time. At any point, ever being like, so hey, do you want to come to the shop? You know, and like I know, like Brad and Sarah who were here, like they they just bought in with each other. Like mm-hmm. it, we're we're going full out, and and I love that about them. But like even like Joe, like Sarah doesn't get into Joe's stuff, and um, you know, like Blaine and Lindsay, like Lindsay doesn't get into all of Blaine's things. Although she'll occasionally play a board game with us, um, you know, like if if we need a. a Sixth person or something, right? right. Uh, so, so how has that worked out with you? What do you, What do you do? Well, you know, it's it's funny. My wife is not a geek in the things that I am a geek in, right. to a certain extent, uh, which is fine. I actually, um, and and God love her. Her name's Julie. She's she's awesome. I love her. Um, she is a very patient, but at the same point. Um, we just kind of always had this thing where we all have everybody in any relationship has certain interests that maybe the other one doesn't have. Yeah, and so I've never been one to say, "Well, if if you're going to be with me at any point in our relationship," and we've been married now uh, almost 15 years. Actually, it'll be 16 years. Excuse me, in November. Congratulations! Yeah, thank you very much. Um, but at no point have either one of us been like, "Well, if you're going to be with me, you have to be into this kind of stuff." Right. Um, 
once you kind of break that threshold of like these are the things I'm kind of into, and, uh-huh. and you know, and as you say, that's kind of a big step, right? Yeah, yeah. because it's kind of like Fifty Shades of Grey, except <laughs> when you say you know, welcome to my playroom, it's actually a playroom, right? There's, a, there's Castle Grayskull, Let, that's let action me introduce triggers. you to a gene stealer, <laughs> right? Exactly, <laughs> and this is where I play with Space Marines, but. Uh, Anyway, so when once you kind of establish kind of all of this and, and everybody's kind of cool with it, uh, and I think a lot of times people who aren't into the same kind of geek culture stuff that we're into, I think they kind of, after a period of time, realize that it's just like any other hobby. I mean, yeah. the, the analogy I always use with people is like painting miniatures, for example. Uh-huh. It's a lot like fly, tying fly fishing lures, right. right? And we know a lot of people that can do that and things like that. And so everybody's got their thing. Um, and so, as a result, it's just one of those things where you have to balance the family, first of all. You can't be sitting there and saying, well, I'm going to go play, go to the shop on a Wednesday night, or I'm going to go play a three-hour game of Warhammer 40,000 or whatever it is, yeah. whatever game you like to play, um, and good luck with the kids, right? I mean, exactly. it's like any, any other hobby or any other kind of time commitment that you have, you have to balance that with the family life. Yeah. Um, and so, there's got to be a little quid pro quo there. Uh, I think that kind of helps a little bit. Uh, part of it also is just uh, understanding uh, that it's kind of hard to buy for us sometimes, quite honestly. Because if you're not into that culture, you don't really know what kind of stuff that you want. I always remember when I was dating, before I met my wife, um, I, I had a, a girl that I was dating that knew I was in comic books, so we didn't gotten past the fifth or sixth date when you kind of say, oh, by the way, comic yeah. books. Um, and so for my birthday one year, uh, and God love her, she was trying, you know, to get into the world, but she had no insight. So she buys me like a a comic book, uh-huh. and I remember it because it was, I think it was Batman versus Predator. Interesting. Well, it, the, <laughs> and so I get this gift, and this is totally not the kind of comic book I write. I would read, right? Yeah. It's, it, for me, and if you're really into that comic and it's something that formed your childhood, I'm sorry, but it was the biggest cash grab I could I could think of. Like, I Absolutely. hate those kind of stories. It was it was motivated by how can we work uh, the Batman and the Predator into fighting, and then <laughs> now, now go write a story. It wasn't something where an author like sat there and said, and Batman and Predator, that would be a great story. And now they work together against Alien. Right, but now I'm getting this as a, as a gift, and so you're like, oh, thank you so much, that's awesome. And at the same time, you're like, uh, and, and I'm a terrible person, but I was kind of like, great, a comic that will sit on my desk. It's like, do I have to read it? Like, can I just dog ear some of the pages and pretend I read it? And say, oh, it was a great story, sweetheart. Thank you so much. But it's, it's, So that's kind of awkward, right? And so right. I even made a point when my wife and I were dating, having had that experience and feeling so awkward about it, and and, and uh, actually I never told anybody except for my wife this story, so hopefully this, this girl's not listening because I'm sure she'll put it all together. Um, I told my wife from the beginning, I was like, look, you don't have to show that you love me by buying me stuff in my hobby. It's totally cool to buy me other stuff or no stuff at all because I just like being with you. We don't worry about gifts, period. Right. But don't feel like you have to do this to show your support for this mm-hmm. because it, it may it sometimes ends up awkward um, <laughs> and and doesn't accomplish what you want. So I mean, and so that that's part of it there. But the biggest part of it is just like anything else. I mean, respect each other, respect each other's hobbies. Uh, and realize that sometimes you have to give up playing with your little men or, or reading your comic books so that you can be part of your family life. Absolutely. And, um, you know, this actually seems like a really good spot for a break right here. I feel like, you've, I feel like you put a very good cap on that. <laughs> and so uh, I'm going to go ahead and send us to break. And don't forget to uh, follow us on Facebook. 
Uh, we are, uh, let's see, www.facebook.com slash myworldtalkradio. And then you can also tweet us questions at myworldradio on Twitter. And we look forward to hearing from you. And we will be right back. You are listening to 93.7 WRVG, the voice of Georgetown.
back to My World Talk Radio. And uh, while we were at break, we got a good Twitter question from one of our recent followers, at Shane Julia, <laughs> asks, Matt's daughters say they paint better to him, and but he plays the game better. Is this true? Wow. Um, well, of course... I'm going to say that my daughters are great painters. They are fantastic. Um, I've never seen their work, but I automatically assume they're better than you. Well, they are. Um, it's it's funny. They they um, I will say that that their style of painting is very different from mine, which is cool. Okay. And one of the interesting things about having uh, young girls and their names are Melissa and Caroline, in case they're listening, because I love you girls. Oh, who am I kidding? <laughs> they're not only are they listening, but more than likely, what's probably going to happen is I'm going to sit them down tomorrow and force <laughs> them to listen to the podcast. You know, I was like, "Your dad is very important. I drive a Dodge Stratus. Listen to me." But uh, but no, it, it's funny because I remember you know, the first time I'd paint with them, and you know, it's kind of one of the interesting things about having kids in general is you kind of want to get them into your hobbies, right? right. Um, because it's always something to talk about. How did you um, How did you start that? Because I, I mean, uh, like I'm imagining you with like a three year old saying, "Paint this." No, 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 no. <laughs> it was simple. I started with simple stuff. Actually, what I did because I'm kind of a Star Wars nerd is when they were old enough, I was like, "Hey, would you like to watch right. one of these Star Wars movies?" Mm-hmm. And so I would show them Star Wars movies, and if they liked it, I keep watching. But I didn't just jam it down their throat because we've all remembered what right. it was like when our parents really wanted us to like something we didn't really want to like. Yeah, and so I didn't want to drive them away from it just because I was forcing it on them. But it, you know, sometimes I'd say, you know, did you want to watch a Star Wars movie? Sure, which one? And usually, they would identify it by whichever lightsaber was on the cover. Like, oh, I want to watch the green one, which was Return of the Jedi. Right. You know, <laughs> and and so we do that for a while. Um, and then, as far as painting goes, when they got older, they both seemed to be very much into crafts in general. Yeah. Uh, my older daughter Melissa was always into like building stuff with clay, and I'm like, a future modeler, this is great. <laughs> um, and so I would, t- I literally took them down to the shop. Um, each of them at, at some point when they were older, and I would just say, hey, if you want anything of this stuff, just let me know, and, and I'll buy it for you. And I have so many paints sitting around the house, and I've right. got old brushes. I'll be like, I've got the brushes, and we'd sit down next to each other, um, and uh, and I'd say, here are your paints. Let me show you just how you clean them. Right. These are how you do it, and just so you keep using the brush and do your thing. And so I'd be sitting there painting, and they'd be sitting there painting, um, and it, it is kind of... Because we all have our own way of painting, right? And right. so we all think our way is the right way. And so I had to be very careful not to sit unless, there and say, like, no, you're, you're doing me. this wrong. Unless you're me and you just automatically assume that no matter what you do, you're screwing it up somehow. And you have to have, like, parental guidance in the room to be like, just just stay in the line. Right, exactly. <laughs> well, see, line. even that, I was like, nope, nope. It's it's their project. It's art. This is how they're going to express themselves. It's great. And it, and it was great. They, they enjoyed it okay. I can't tell if they were smart enough to just be human marrying daddy or whatever um, I didn't remember that it, one time in particular I was painting with uh, I think Melissa my older one and we were painting and I'm painting my little guy and she's painting her little little creature or whatever and she would always paint the underside of the base and I was like well that's for it I don't understand you know and she's like but that's the secret spot that only I know and so that's why I like painting it. It's like, well, you don't have to paint that part. No, but I like painting it. It's like, okay. So if you, you can always tell which one she happy. painted because it's it's painted on the top. And then if you look under the bottom, like there's a little painting there of whatever <laughs> color it is. And you're like, oh, okay, this is one of the Melissa did. Um, so, I mean, it was fun. You try and get them in that way a little bit. 
again, it's not about a hard sell. You find games that you think that they're going to like to play. Right. Uh, I tried to get them to play X-Wing one time. Very simple kind of rules. They seem to like it okay, but... Or zombies, or some other game that's more board game like, right, right, and just you know see what they like, and if they don't like it, you know, it, Daddy's up in his you know hobby room painting or something like that. They know where I am. They come up and see, oh, that looks neat, that looks neat. You want to do it? No, I'm okay, okay, that's fine, no big deal. That's cool. And yeah. just go on do your thing. That's fine. Um, and uh, you know, you hope that some of it rubs off, and if they don't end up being geeks themselves, at least they, especially when I'm raising girls, um, if if they're into it, that's great in whatever way they're into it, but. Otherwise, I just look at myself as like I'm just building future wives for guys like me. There you go. Well, and you, and you know what else too though is like there's a lot of things like today that I have fringe interest in just because my parents did it. Um, for example, Star Trek, which I realize uh, having a geeky show, I should be much more into Star Trek than I am as a general rule. And yet, like I don't know, like I kind of I grew up with the next generation. You know, like that's that's where I was, and it's not to say like I, like I was exposed to Star Trek before that. Like I, I remember just like you do, like having the Sunday morning come on and you see you know Captain Kirk and he's playing around with the Indians and whatever, or he's fighting the Green Lady or doing whatever. And I, I mean, I remember having appreciation for that because is my that what dad your parents told you? Was he was fighting the Green he Lady? Was fighting the Green <laughs> they're wrestling. They're, they're just wrestling, Andrew. Don't worry. No. Um, <laughs> they probably did at some point. Tell me that, but uh, <clears throat> I mean, there's still things to this day like that. That just because you know my dad, like I like French horn music because my grandma used to have a French horn. I never heard her play it, but she had a picture of herself with the French horn, and I was, I was like, man, I, I kind of like that. That's a cool instrument. And so to this day, just because she did that, no exposure whatsoever. I just knew that she had it. I was like, oh, I got a soft spot for that. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree with you 100. percent You know, my dad. As I said, he had kind of put a lot of that stuff away. But I remember even as a kid, because I loved Star Wars, we'd watch Star Wars together, uh, and it was a very good kind of father-son bonding thing. Uh, his favorite movie was always Forbidden Planet. Right. Uh, which is an old 50s sci-fi film, which is actually really, really good. Now, it's it's technically just a remake of Shakespeare's The Tempest. That, that's uh, still good, though. Right. I, I like when that happens. Right. But it's, and, and you know, it's the, sci- the uh, special effects, rather, for its time period, are actually really, really good. Yeah, and uh, they take it in kind of a nice way. It, it suffers from the usual kind of nineteen fifties um, production kind of stuff, and a little bit of the kind of morality issues are all there. You know, right, the right. the uh, the female lead is is really just the epitome of the helpless damsel in distress. And actually, Leslie Nielsen yeah. of like Hot Shots fame is nice. the lead, and that was back during his serious acting days. So he is not. He's not a joker at all. He is the most, like, rigid, like, Captain Courageous kind of character in this. I'm like, not, check not this even out. not even doing a joke. It's a good movie, but uh, but I always have a soft spot in my heart. Every time I see that come on, yeah. I'm always like, oh, it's Dad's favorite movie. So I almost always watch it. Now I also like the movie, but at the same point, it's one of those things like, oh, it's kind of like, it's like a peering into to what they were like at your age, right? Yeah, it's just a bridge to the past. Because everybody, all, yeah, and everybody always kind of, I think, has this part of them that wants to wonder, like, if I met my parents and we were the same age, would we hang out? Yeah. Like, and would we like the same <laughs> stuff? Would I be annoyed with them? Like, what were they like then? Because you, you, everybody changes as they go through life. And so the person that you knew as your parent, that relationship, and I can tell you as a parent, your relationship with a child is different when they're children and even when they're adults though they're still you're at a different spot in your life you're always each of you are at different spots of your life and it's always interesting to see where would you what would you be like 
Um, and like my dad passed on, he had a, a series of books that were old, again, 1950s sci-fi books, Tom Swift novels, which uh, I read actually quite a few of them because he liked them a lot, and I read them as a kid, and they were all kind of 50s boy scientist kind of stuff. Right, right. Um, but it gave me a great insight into kind of what his thing was, and he was always kind of a sci-fi science-y guy too. Uh, and I always have this kind of soft spot for those kind of pulpy kind of sci-fi novels yeah. because of that. It's kind of like the French horn thing. I've read a couple of them, um, and uh, it's not always my cup of tea, but I always have like a soft spot. Like, oh, this is pretty good for a 50 sci-fi thing. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. Like, to this day, I love Gloria Estefan in the Miami Sound Machine because my mom would listen to that that cassette in the car Everywhere we went for like four years. I can totally outlame you on that one. Um, John Denver's greatest hits. Every car trip as a child. John Denver's greatest hits. And my mom was singing the entire way. So uh, and followed closely by Kenny Rogers' greatest hits. Um, so so I think I can one up you there on the lame scale of of and I love them both. Why? Because yeah. I was literally raised on those. Yeah, it, it, and it's really amazing how it happens too. And I just I don't know, like it it, it gives me a little bit of hope. Knowing that, because like, I don't know, you get all these stories about oh the kids these days and they're so bad and everything's terrible, and I think it, I think a lot of times you know just that little bit of the environment you're in showing that you care about your children. I don't have any, so I'm completely talking with borrowed wind here. But you know, well, nobody knows how it's going to turn out. I mean, yeah. like I said, my kids are 12 and nine, so it's the the final chapter isn't written on how all of this experimentation that I've done on them as far well, as I'm interest simply, is, is I'm going simply to pan going out. By, if if I am an example, I mean, I ha- I was a free range child. You know, I got to I got to run around my neighborhood, do whatever I wanted to. I got to play with my friends. I mean, like the only thing I couldn't do was like you know, if the street lights came on, it was time to come home. Right. And that was a great time to grow up. I, I was the same way. It, it's unfortunate now we've kind of gotten in that place because yeah. you learn a lot about yourself and kind of what your interest is going to be with your friends. Mm-hmm. Being able to go out and explore a little bit without the you know hovering drone, which quite literally will probably be hovering drones in the next five years, probably following so. you around. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so I don't know. That's that kind of stuff is just really interesting to me, and and the effects that we have on other people. I mean, like like I, I talked about how I got into gaming and stuff. It was literally just. I went over to Joe's house, and I saw a wave serpent sitting there, and I said, what's this neat thing? And then all of a sudden, I'm, you know, spending all of my money on... I mean, at the time I was 15, it was literally all of my money on oh, yeah. board games. Well, you know, it's funny. I think I think that middle teenage years are kind of a big year for that, because I have a very similar story as far as uh, wargaming goes, because... When I was a kid, about 14, I had a friend of mine that had just moved in town from, I think he was from New Jersey, uh, and he had Space Hulk, oh, which is okay. a great, for those who don't know Space Hulk, Space Hulk is a, is a kind of an intro-level miniatures game that was made in the late 80s, very heavily themed by the movie Aliens, the Jim, James Cameron one, um, and uh, it was just, I loved it, and like right afterwards, I went to the Something to Do, which was the hobby shop in Louisville where I grew up because they didn't really have game stores at that point um, and picked up essentially the, what they call the Beaky Box which was a box of 30 Space Marines made by the right. same company uh, that you could put together and glue and of course I opened the thing and I had never done that much modeling before and here <laughs> I'm looking at this table 
full of, of the smallest little arms, and each arm is separate from the torso, which is separate from the legs, which is separate from the base, which is separate from the head, which is separate from the gun. And it's I'm looking at all this stuff, it's like, what have I gotten myself into? This is the worst decision yeah, exactly. I've ever made. So after gluing my fingers together a few hundred times, it uh, you put it together, and you're like, oh, okay, and then it all falls apart because you didn't wait long enough, and you have to do it again. But uh, it, you get into that, and you just find something that just clicks. It's like any other kind of interest. It just clicks. <laughs> Mom is, of course, listening, and she's texting me. She's like, I knew it. I knew you spent all of your money. That's right. <laughs> uh, that's not what I meant, Mom. It wasn't literal. Thank you. Um, I love my family. I really do. You know, but you talk about influencing kids. You know, as we said, we both have those albums. We're not really that proud to talk about how much we love. <laughs> you know, I've always kind of thought about essentially trolling my kids and picking out some album that I also hate just to see if I can make them love it, you know, and just, like, talking to my wife, like, we should really try and play this really, really, really bad Britney Spears album all the time. You know, I came to a point of acceptance with that. This is actually a conversation I recently had with an, another friend of mine. I, I realized at some point, probably about, I don't know, six or seven years ago, that some generations get Led Zeppelin and some generations get, you know, Elvis Presley or uh, James Brown or whoever you want. Pick a pick a classic, awesome artist, Mozart. I don't care. I get the Backstreet Boys and Britney Spears, and and maybe the band Tool. You know, and like that's that's I, I get Creed. That's who I get. I get I get Creed was the biggest band when I was in high school. And so if you keep mentioning Creed, I'm pretty sure Scott Stapp will show up behind you in the window here to try and ask for a job. Oh, hello, Mr. Stapp. How are you doing, sir? I see. Oh, yes, you're back on. Well, I mean, every, okay, every generation yes. has its bad bands. I mean. Uh, being a Gen Xer, I mean, I can always point to like Kaja Gugu when I was growing up as a kid and stuff like that too. You know, I mean, I don't think anybody's going to say that. Yeah, that was the voice of our generation, Kaja Gugu, and and Aha. And I mean, you you know what though? I mean, I am. I didn't go to a lot of concerts when I was little. Like the first, interestingly enough, I got the I got the best first concert story. Uh, the first concert I ever went to growing up was uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles coming out of your shell concert that accompanied the movie, the first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. You know, and, it's like uh, saying that the Wiggles were your first concert, right? But it was the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and they're still cool. Kind right. of. <laughs> so, it was not a policy stand. It was a concert, dang it. It was a concert. They had real guitars played by somebody behind the stage. Right. <laughs> and... Um, and uh, and then I didn't go to another concert for a really long time until my... I mean, why would you? I think you've seen the peak of uh, I, human I, musical <laughs> endeavor right there. Yeah, well, you know, they're the turtles and you can count on them. That, <laughs> was, right. that was the big song, I remember. Did they have Vanilla Ice as a special guest? They should have, but I don't think he was there. I think maybe if they did have him, it was like some like Vanilla Ice like reenactor who was coming up and just had on the, the MC Hammer outfit because it was at that stage of Vanilla Ice, not the street cred Vanilla Ice. That's <laughs> Just the idea of being a Vanilla Ice imposter <laughs> has now established the new lowest possible job for one to have in the spectrum of jobs <laughs> I, just, I can't imagine anybody putting that in a resume it's like so what did you do from 1989 to 1992 oh i was a uh, i was a vanilla ice impersonator i went on tour with the teenage mutant ninja turtles uh my 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 other i think i'll just I, say i was unemployed during that period i don't think i put that on there. I, I am also proficient with staplers and pencils <laughs> that's right exactly <laughs> But um, this, the second concert that I went to, or at least that I remember going to, um, I stood in line for hours to get my sister Spice Girls tickets. 
and that was the second time. That, like that's what it was for me, you know. I don't blame you not going to concerts after your two full experiences being the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and the Spice Girls. Hey, you know what? They they wanted it. It was popular, man. It might not have been. Maybe it wasn't Spice Girls. I think maybe it was Backstreet Boys. I can't remember. But either way, oh, I believe it. I either believe way, it. it was not what I wanted, and um, it was. I was redeemed years later. Like after college, I finally went to like a Tom Petty concert, and that was really good. Yeah, but um, I mean, yeah, I just. It was a bad. It was a dark time. <laughs> <laughs> it was a dark. Well, you were a kid, you know. I, I have to keep remembering that that you're uh, about ten years younger than I am because yeah. when you say things like Spice Girls, I mean, I was already in medical school when the Spice Girls <laughs> like hit it big, and so when you say that, I was like, yeah, I can't imagine myself going to any concert in my mid twenties where the uh, the lead act also has a line of action figures and fashion dolls. There you go. There you go. I mean, it's it's crazy stuff. I mean, just the marketing around everything. And it's funny you bring that up because, you know, we were talking a little bit earlier about how, you know, you had all the Star Wars toys. You know, I had the Star Wars to- toys too. I had the, the Darth Vader who had a, the lightsaber in his hand and there was like a little, just a little tab you would push up and all of a sudden the lightsaber appears. Well, it hasn't gotten any better. You know. well, it's gotten worse. I mean, yeah. there's actually a reason for that, uh, which is very interesting. You know, the well, I say it's very interesting. Keep in mind, I'm a 40 year old man, so the things I find interesting are, are increasingly <laughs> lame. Uh, but at the same point, um, you know, for years the FCC had rules right. that any programming for children on TV had to have a certain amount of educational content and oh, yeah? couldn't be tied to a um, to a licensed product, essentially. Really? Right. And so for years, you would have these Saturday morning cartoons or these TV shows uh-huh. that that would have these characters, um, uh, like the Herculoids and all these old great Hanna-Barbera cartoons. Right, I remember that, um, yeah. Where, but they didn't have toys, which, of course, growing up in our generation, so uh-huh. you're like, well, everybody gets a toy, right? I mean, every show on TV has a toy. Yeah. Even if it's a live-action show, they get toys. Like, the closest thing the Flintstones ever got was a McDonald's Happy Meal. Right, exactly. <laughs> but you couldn't have a show based around those things. And the thing that changed was in about 1983, Okay. Um, Ronald Reagan appointed a new head of the FCC, and they were very much of a laissez-faire kind of attitude, and they changed the rules. Gotcha. And that's why things like Transformers and G.I. Joe all came out about 1984. Huh. Because they suddenly Mattel now could essentially produce a cartoon to sell product. I did and not so all that stuff that would come out. <laughs> and so, and after that, that's when you had that explosion of all this stuff. Now, part of it was also the fact they realized that this kind of marketing, because they didn't have that rule for movies, which right. is why George Lucas was... And despite what you can say about him being a director and not so great or whatever, writing stories, um, but uh, he was very smart in the sense that when he was making Star Wars, they said, you have to, you know, he said, well, look, you can cut my salary. I just want a percentage of the, I want the marketing rights doing this. And 20th Century Fox like, yeah, okay, buddy, whatever. And they're thinking, yeah, this guy's an idiot. He's not going to make any money at all. So what does George Lucas do is he goes to Kenner. Right. And he's like, hey, Kenner, um, I've got these ideas for this show or this movie. Here are the toys you can make. And, hmm. uh, and so they made all those toys. And, of course, he's just raking in the money because... I mean, guys like me, we had, you know, every action figure, every, like, all the play sets we could find, right. all the spaceships. I mean, you think about all the bed sheets, and I mean, just the, just the weird esoteric stuff that, you know, that you would sell, just making hand over fist. And so when, when that opened up for the FCC, it was like this explosion of all these marketable products. Absolutely. I mean, you know, I had never actually given any thought to that, and it's something that's actually so just completely inherent in our culture now and we don't even think about it and that was something that 
like I'm really glad I had you because I wasn't I wasn't aware that there was a time where you couldn't do that. Like yeah. it just seems to me like I mean that that's like I don't know, I don't want to put it on quite this level, but it's the only example I can think of off the top of my head. It's like like one day I'm going to tell people like, you know, I was I was alive at a point in time where I, there weren't cell phones. Right. <laughs> no, know? exactly. Like you used to have to go up to a box and put a dime in it and that's how you called somebody. And and if you didn't have that you gotta wait till tomorrow. It's like all the all the like we came in here today, and th- they had Seinfeld playing on the TVs that are outside the windows here. And um, you know, I, I heard a funny thing a, a few months ago. Somebody said, you know, essentially every single problem they ever had on Seinfeld could have been solved with a cell phone, right? You know, <laughs> and oh, like, absolutely. And, and it's something that like I, w- the w- the show wouldn't work now, <laughs> right? No, <laughs> you know? I, just just call Kramer and see where he is in the movie theater, right? Exactly. <laughs> send him a text, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'll just use this app to find where my car is in this parking lot. <laughs> so, um, you know, man, this has been a really good show so far. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know what? Uh, we are going to take another break here. We're up on the hour. And uh, like I said, send us all your texts. Send us all your tweets. Send us all your Facebook friend requests. We will answer them, and we will all be together like the super friends <laughs> and we'll talk later Come, see at the bottom of the top of the what do you call it the top, of the, call it the top of the hour the top of the see you at the top of the hour meanwhile Aquaman retreats into the depths <laughs> to listen to some music to cry himself to sleep on WRVG why does no one like me Georgetown College Radio 93.7 prepare to get ravaged This is 93.7 WRVG, where we're always commercial-free. Baby, when I think about you, I think about And if I had the sun and moon 
Listening to 93.7 WRVG, the voice of Georgetown.
back to my world. This is Andrew Ganas. I'm here with Dr. Matt Shane, the first doctor of Lexington. <laughs> if this gets out that I'm calling myself the first doctor of Lexington, that's going to go great. Uh, well, fortunately for you, you're not calling yourself that. That's you're, true. You are actively fighting it. That's except, right. Except uh, after today, from now on, everybody's going to call you the first doctor. That's right. Of All five people listening. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, we got a really good message in during the break. It's from our friend Joe, who I mention on the air all the time. He's um, one of, if not absolutely, my best friend. Yeah, the funniest thing about that is, I, I told Joe the other day, because we're mutual friends with him, I told him that you really can't have him on air now, because you've mentioned him so many times that this cult of personality has now grown <laughs> around Joe to the point where, like, he's kind of like Bill Blaschke from the old Saturday Night Live skits, like, he can jump mountains and fight bears, and so when he comes on, no matter how awesome he is, and he'll be awesome, don't get me wrong. He would be. It wouldn't measure up to this Joe that they've built in their minds from what you've described. Well, I'm going to I'm gonna read this this message I got from Joe, just so that everybody understands the, the great mind behind uh, Joe Murphy and the way he thinks. His question was, described, I quote, described in percent of GDP... How much did we spend on Warhammer in high school? Question mark. End quote. Now, this is a fantastic question. It's a great question. <laughs> and th- and that's the way that Joe and I talk to each other. We just we bring up random 
Nobody talks about, in terms of GDP, how much do you feel like you spent in high school on Warhammer products? Well, let me tell you, uh, I had I had a job at um, Burger King. Was my was my first real, like I'm actually working for someone. I think everybody had a first job that was almost always in food service at a yes. fast food. Because I was an Arby's, <laughs> I was an Arby's guy at first. Um, interesting story. My my dad proposed to my mom in an Arby's. I was there. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell the I'll tell the curly fries. I knew it was that story. I'll tell that story some other time. But uh, it wasn't by design. It just kind of happened that way. And apparently, she loved him because she said yes anyway. And, um, <laughs> but wow, that is a bold move. <laughs> but um, so you know, I had a job at Arby's. I was a lifeguard, and and I was a, a sweeper at construction sites. And uh, working for a, a builder because I mean, my, I mean, I, all of my jobs essentially have been through my connections, which are all in real estate. And so, um, you know, in high school, I spent probably, I mean, seventy five percent of my money like went towards models and stuff. Like, I mean, I would have my gasoline that I would spend money on, and it wasn't nearly as bad as it is now. And I had, uh, I mean, I remember. I mean, you probably have even better than this, but I remember getting gas like one of the first times I ever did was like a dollar twenty-five. Yeah, and I mean, like I, I went through the same like shock everybody else did when when the whole gas prices skyrocketed and doubled and tripled. Yeah. Well, I remember when twenty dollars could get you through a weekend easy. Right, I mean, that's like gas, food, like going to the dollar movie. I I have meals. I have meals that I buy at the grocery store that are twenty-five dollars. Right. <laughs> exactly. and so. Um, but I mean, I could, I would spend, I don't know, like it wasn't like, if I look at it today, like with the amount of money that I make now as a person, it wasn't that much money, but it was, it was a lot of the money back then. It was a lot of it because I wasn't making anything. I was only making, I don't know, $200 every couple of weeks, like a hundred bucks a week at my jobs. And, um, you know, I was going to high school or I was in college or whatever at the time. And, um, when you're younger, it's much easier to spend ridiculous amounts on things like, oh, oh this new $50 model came out, which it, at the time they weren't $50, they were like 20 And, oh, this $20 model came out, I'm just going to get it because I can. And I, I don't have any responsibility to anything but myself. And um, I think that's one of the keys, quite honestly. I mean, most of the time you're living at home. You don't have to pay for rent most right. of the time. Um, but I agree with you. I mean, I spent I spent a good month there. Now at that time, I wasn't doing as much gaming stuff. I was doing more comic stuff, right? Um, but you know, it, and it was a lot, a high percentage of my GDP to answer <laughs> Joe's question more directly uh, was put toward that. I mean, even in college, I was spending a lot more money, quite honestly, on comic books every week than I probably was on food, right? Uh, during the week, other than maybe on the weekends. Um, but like I say, you don't have anybody else that you're paying for. Yeah, and this is one of the things that I always thought was kind of okay about especially miniatures and even comic book to a certain extent versus like video games like right. and one of the reasons I kind of got back as I got older into miniatures was the fact that when I finish a video game what do you do you close you take the game out you yeah. put it in a little case or whatever it is you put it on the shelf and you never play it again exactly and that was 60 bucks yeah um, and and or more Whereas, you know, you buy a model or something like that, even though the prices are up and everybody's complaining about the prices, I'm now immune to that because my GDP is higher than it used to be. (laughs) So now it's like they're not going to make them, unless they're Forge World and they're all, 
you know, solid, you know, yeah. Uh, if you've got some uh, resin or something like that, four thousand dollars, I'm not going to spend it on that. Not because I couldn't necessarily, but just because I. I couldn't morally reconcile that with myself. It's like spending like, four thousand dollars. So, uh, I have kids to feed. I'm so, not spending four thousand dollars on a giant spaceship to play with and go pew pew. <laughs> you know. So, but it um, you get a lot more out of it. And so, it, I mean, even when we were kids, though, if yeah. you're buying a model or if I were you know buying some miniatures, not only would you have weeks to months of just assembling and painting and all the joy that came with that, right? But then you could literally play with it until the end, end of, of time. your life yeah because you could play and continue to play the game um and so you got a lot more out of it the return on investment to use absolutely to use economics terms since joe likes using economics <laughs> terms the return on investment was huge um and so you know yeah you spend a lot on it but you uh at the same point you get a lot back from well it. that's one of my biggest arguments too and i you know i i hang around a much younger crowd than me a lot and Obviously, so do I. Yes, yes. And, you know, you do hear a lot of people complaining about the various hobbies, whether it be comic books or whether it be uh, wargaming or, or just whatever we get into. And people complaining about the, the economics of it and saying, hey, you know what? I mean, I don't. I just, I just don't want to spend 50 bucks on a model because I can't really, you know, I can't really justify that. Well, well then I say to you, I'm, well, okay, so if you're going to go, uh, I forget who it was I had on here talking about golfing. You know, but if you've got somebody on here that wants to come and and be a professional golfer, or not necessarily a professional golfer, but even an amateur golfer, you're talking hundreds of dollars for clubs. You got um, you know fairway fees and stuff like that to just even play, much less purchasing balls and you know golf attire and stuff of, of that nature. <laughs> just think about how you feel about yourself paying that kind of money for that kind of attire, right? You know, so I mean, and, and if you. And if you reconcile that against the the cost that you have of buying, I don't know, just whatever model or whatever board game. I mean, if you're talking fifty bucks for a, it was Jeremy. I had Jeremy on here. We were right. talking about golf. And um, I mean, if you're if you're going to sit there and and tell me that it's not worthwhile to literally have endless amounts of hours of fun with your friends with people of a like minded. Um, you know, just a like-minded mindset. I guess I, I don't really know where to go with that statement. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I have spent so many hours of my life just having fun with guys like you. I mean, we had that we had that guys weekend we were talking about. You know, uh, right. before the show uh, a couple years ago, and we took down. I mean, every one of us just brought one one board game, and we spent the entire weekend with these fifty dollars board games, hundred dollars board games, just having a blast. Yeah, no, it was it was great fun. At the same point. You know, first of all, thanks for bringing up that guy's weekend. This is essentially the setup for a great Judd Apatow movie. So now, everybody on the radio is like, "There's gonna be a guy's weekend, awesome!" And all kinds of pandemonium will now ensue. But the, uh, you know, the only thing I would say in response to that it would be, you're right. You get a lot of enjoyment out of it, but keep in mind that we're talking now from a position where our GDP is far higher, so we can take that hit. This is true. I mean, if if you asked Matt in 1991. With my GDP at that time, <laughs> like, hey, here's 50 bucks for a model. I said, I'm going to play another game. And that's, I feel kind of, I understand from a corporate standpoint kind of where they're going with that. And they are doing, you know, a lot of these companies are doing amazing things. I mean, the kind of miniatures they're making now Absolutely. compared to when you and I were first getting into oh, it. Oh, yeah. The quality. It's night and day. Uh, the, the precision stuff. That's uh, just so much better. At the same point, it's kind of a diminishing return because I think, and uh, I think one of the problems right now with the industry in general is it's hard to know who you're making this product for because right. 
yes, the, the precision is great, but take the example of my daughters. Like, are they really going to be able to tell or care that much because, oh, this is laser etched, so now this 28 millimeter miniature has actual scroll writing all over its armor from head to toe right. that's that's legible and you can see and it's easy and, and stuff like that, or they just want a, a guy to paint, yeah. you know, and that's, yeah. and so is it really worth that exchange for that kind of price to get that, you know? I, and I, I'm right there with you because I've had just as much fun playing a, a game where I'm paying 10 bucks for one model but I only have to buy five models like Mercs, you know. Mm-hmm. I've had just as much fun playing Mercs for a day as I have with my, you know, $450 Games Workshop army of yeah. whatever version it is, and that's the on the cheap side. Yeah. Now, the, <laughs> and the upside for the current generation of people is you have eBay because we didn't have that before. No, I mean, the was, way you got an army was either you went and paid full sticker price yeah. Or you knew somebody at this shop, or a shop, or a local game store, or a comic store, or wherever it was that you played. Yeah. Um, uh, and they were just tired of the army, and they would sell to you on the cheap because they didn't want anymore. And that's first, how most people got first not army, their entire ever army, yeah. the, the big parts of that army. I mean, yeah. I, I bought an entire Grey Knight army to paint uh, off of eBay, and it's just saved tons of money doing exactly that. First army I ever got was uh, Jason Turco sold me his uh, his uh, Warhammer uh, Dark Eldar force. And it was fully painted. And Jason, even back then, did really good paint jobs. And, I mean, he's only gotten better with time. And uh, But, I mean, even back then, I mean, some of the questionable color choices he made aside, I mean, it looked really good. And, um, I love it. Like I bought his army out of steel, but I couldn't believe how he painted them. <laughs> well, I mean, purple hair. Why do you think it got it as steel? Bright pink hair. Bright pink hair. But uh, I think I forget That's who very I sold that to. No, it was. It, I mean, I, but it looked it, it looked fine. And at the time, I was like, "This is amazing. I've never seen anything like this." Right. Exactly. And and so I mean, it was. I mean, that's how I got into it. And I mean. It worked for me for a while, and then yeah, I mean, eventually I wanted to get my own army, and I wanted like uh, my own army. I mean, I had my own army, but I wanted to get one that I scratch built, and and so that's how I got into the the dark side of spending. Right, and then all <laughs> no. of a sudden you're spending all kinds of money on it. But it, like, I mean, your your point is well made. It's there are various ways you can kind of do that stuff. I I always have to give kind of a shout out though to the uh, brick and mortar stores though. Um, because with the new environment, it's hard. I mean, and quite honestly, most of us grew up with comic stores and grew up with game stores. Yeah. And that was the only revenue place or the only place, rather, you could buy those kind of things. Yeah. And it brought you into the store for that reason. Um, and unfortunately, I think, both fortunately and unfortunately, it's a wider marketplace now, but it makes it harder for those brick-and-mortar stores. Yeah. And so if, if anybody out there is listening and you wanted to get into some of this stuff or you feel kind of intimidated by it, I can only tell you, go down to one of these stores either a game store or a comic store because the people who work there kind of like we are here on the radio they love to talk about this stuff and if you're intimidated and everybody gets intimidated when they first walk in because of all this backstory and stuff that comics have or games have and and all this history they'll be a, a great resource for you to kind of figure out what you like and help you find a game that fits you yeah rather than you trying to shove your interest into something you may not like and you know and that's one of the things that I think is really important, you know, just in talking about, you know, the stores in general is there's a wide range of stores out there and they're there for different purposes. I mean, you've got your standard like comic stores and you've got your standard, I mean, even, even in the game stores in Lexington, you've got a really wide berth of what kind of game stores you have. I mean, you've got like the games workshop store, which is a fantastic store. 
you know, for what it is, and it, it doesn't have a ton of product. But like Ilea, who works there, is fantastic. I mean, she is a, I'm mean, just a wonderful introduction to any gamer, and she can teach you how to play all the different games. You go over to, you know, the Battle Forge, and you got Mike, and he can show you. He's got all these wonderful painted armies he can pull out and just show you all the great stuff. I mean, the the Scabbard has just got the widest selection of any store in town. I mean, mm-hmm. you've got so many great just things that you can do. You got D20 Hobbies is a new store that that's uh, over... I forget where they are, but D20 Hobbies, yeah. and they've got all the... Um, uh, they've got all the the Magic Gathering games, and they've got the RPGs and everything on the wall. And I mean, I was I was actually in there the other day. I was introducing myself, and I was uh, one of the things I've done recently is I've started handing out flyers at the different stores just to you know promote the radio show. And and I was in there, and I mean, it's funny how small the gaming community is. Like we may not all know each other, but we all know somebody. And right. I'm in there, and I start talking to a guy. And in and in seconds, we're going over <laughs> this this character situation he had. We were talking to uh, you and I were talking to him on the break about um, uh, Sarah and right. how she had that fantastic question a couple weeks ago mm-hmm. about what your favorite RPG character is. And and so I brought that up in conversation while I was there. And the next thing I know. I'm happily for the next like 20 minutes listening to him tell me excitedly about his really cool character that he had. Right. And I mean, it's there's so many stores in there for. I mean, they're each for different people and they each serve their own purpose. But and they I don't mean, bite. That's the other they thing. They don't. You know, you, know you can yeah. you can go in there and it's like you know, and, and that actually leads me to another thing because you and I we were talking about um, balancing that professional life versus the geek life and. You know, I mean, so many people, I think, I think still to a degree, there's this stigma about being a nerdy person. And, you know, like I, like, I, like I talk to some people at my office because ever since I've started having the, the show, people at the office come and say, how's your radio show going? And so I start saying, well, it was really great. We talked about Game of Thrones and the Avengers and what, and all this whatnot. And they're like, oh, you know. And I mean, most of the people I work with are, you know, older and they're, I guess, not into it the way that I am. But um, they can really talk to you about Matlock. I mean, well, you know, and, and like I said, that's somebody's geekiness. Yeah. You know, I mean, I I may not be able to tell you everything about Matlock, but there's somebody who can. That's right. <laughs> I'm sure there are websites <laughs> devoted solely to that. But it, uh, no, you're right. I mean, it. But part of it, like you say, it's it's balancing it within reason, right? Because you get right. to a certain age. I mean, in in your professional life, where you can't you can't really necessarily come to work dressed. Uh, dress head to toe in like comics garb I mean if you're not a guy that dresses up like right. wearing a, a t-shirt or something like that and there's some let me tell you there's some great comics related t-shirts out there that are fun they to really wear are that you know <laughs> uh, you know Brad who you had on as a first guest I, I am envious of Brad's t-shirts I, I've got to get myself some of uh, the, the better uh, comics my, t-shirt my I've got favorite, one or two here my favorite Brad t-shirt is I got 99 problems but a lich ain't one right exactly <laughs> you know, I mean, right uh, for those of you who don't know, a lich is an undead. Um, <laughs> right. It's a it's a fantasy undead. It's like a necromancy type thing. It's all that, it's all scary. That's like a perfect <laughs> example of geek humor, by the way. You know, it's a perfect example of something like aha, we'll get that. You know, it's and uh, but you, you do have to kind of balance it. I, I tell you, we had talked earlier about gifts for the geek or the discerning geek. Right. And uh, one of the best gifts my wife has gotten me. Uh, she got me some tie clips 
One of which was a tie clip of silver and had the Superman logo on it. Nice. And the other one was a tie clip with the Captain America shield. And both those characters are, are, are kind of my favorite characters. And I know you don't like Superman. We can talk about that later. <laughs> um, and we can I'll, I'll defend him to the death. But the uh, the coolest thing about it is is that you can just kind of slip that on. I can wear my usual tie. Because let's face it, I mean, in my line of work, in most professionals' line of work, period, it's great to like geek culture, yeah. But nobody wants to go to the surgeon that comes in his office dressed like a Klingon. Yeah, this you is know? not. <laughs> this is not this something is, you can do. This is not Doctor <laughs> House. Like, you can't walk. You know, whatever. I don't <laughs> yeah. speak Klingon. That was just a guess because there's a lot of hard. Uh, I, I, I don't believe you. I think. You but speak no, actually, I'm kind of like you. The Star Trek thing. I was like, I kind of get it, but right. Star Trek and Star Wars to me is kind of like the Beatles and Elvis. And right. I'm an Elvis man, <laughs> so I don't really go with the you know the hippie space you in as much. Well, you know, and I actually have the same thing i have a uh like a, a lot of times i'll wear a suit and i've got one suit that i wear <laughs> and um I, on my jacket on my lapel i've got a citadel little lapel pin and it's just it's just a little citadel tower you know for all the games workshop paints and everything and the miniatures and models and stuff but i just wear it and the people who know they give me this little like sort of discerning nod, and, right. then, and then everybody else is like, "Oh, what's Citadel?" I'm like, "Oh, it's just a place to study." It's like being a Freemason. <laughs> You're walking around like, "Oh, he's in the know," you know. But you know, this this explosion of geek culture has made that harder. It used to be you walk down the street, somebody's wearing a comic shirt, yeah, and you're like. That guy's one of the guys. It's almost like motorcycle riders. You know, they have those hand signals as they pass each other by, which Absolutely. I don't know. You know but they have it, and then you're like, it's just like, hey, you're cool. Yeah. But the problem now is is that if you're going to go with a mainstream character, like Superman or Batman, that, that doesn't tell you anything. All that means is, hey, I also like to watch popular movies. Right. And so you don't know this person's like, so talking about like, hey, what did you think the other week on, you know, when you're reading like uh, Spider-Man, like, did you think this or that? Because the guy just kind of works out like, what are you talking about? Now, if you see somebody walking down with like a Sinestro Corps T-shirt, then you're like, "Yeah, that guy's totally in the club," because nobody even knows what that is. I mean, most of the listeners right now are like Sinestro Corps, Google, you know, what is that? You know, but uh, it, it, it makes it harder to kind of know who's in the club. And it's really funny because, like, okay, so last night, um, you know, we have we had this party, all right, and it was all professionals. There was all real estate people, and. And I'm sitting there, and of course the show gets brought up because it's a really popular to- topic right now amongst everybody at my office. And uh, not that I don't enjoy talking about it because I do. Exactly, <laughs> uh, got a radio show, man. Yeah, and uh, and so the next thing I know, I'm having a conversation with grown-ups that I don't really know very well about the Wonder Twins, and <laughs> it is hard to kind of work those in. <laughs> and and you know, I'm like, oh yes, form of a lion. <laughs> you know? And you're thinking you're just killing it. By the way, you're telling Wonder Twins jokes out the wazoo, <laughs> and you're like, man, this is so funny. And these guys aren't getting a bit of it. You know, it's like, well, why didn't he ever turn it? Why is he always in a bucket? And, you know, but yeah, uh, you know, and, and that and that was how it started. It was like, okay, so we were watching the Avengers movie because I still haven't seen the Avengers too. Like I, I know that I have. Spoiler alert: They win. I'm not shocked. I am not shocked. The Avengers win. But you know, and this is something that you know full well. I go against the grain with the rest of the group. I don't like the Avengers movies, and I've got a lot of reasons. Well, then you really won't like the second Avengers movie because I, I, I like Avengers movies, and I'm lukewarm on the second Avengers movie. Uh, yeah, that's depressing. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I, I almost want to talk about it, but. 
and if you had seen it, I would because it's been out long enough that if you haven't watched yeah, it by I mean, now, there's, there's no spoilers here. Well, you can and, le- and let's face it, quite honestly, everybody listening to this radio program, with the exception of you, has probably has already answer. seen it. Okay. Yeah, maybe multiple times. Um, I, you know, I was I was thinking about this actually the other day, and I think that the, they're starting to suffer from the same problems that comic books are suffering from. Right. And what I mean by that is, how do you mean uh, that? So. Everybody talked about how the Marvel model was mm-hmm. so ingenious. Um, and we'll try and wrap this up relatively quickly because I don't want to bore everybody to death. But essentially what they did is they trans—you know they had all these different movies uh-huh. with individual heroes. And then they had the Avengers, which is like the capstone of that group. Right. And they all came together and the, here's, the, here's this. They were all building toward this. And let's do this. And you're like, oh, I'm satisfied. That's great. And then they started to cycle over again with the second set of movies. Well, but... And that's essentially what they were trying to do, right? Is they were trying to have these independent characters that were strong enough to hold their own movie and bring them together. And then in that kind of crossover movie, you have all those characters, but you also have a couple other characters like Hawkeye yeah. and Black Widow that maybe at the time weren't strong enough to make a whole movie around or not well enough known, well enough known rather, right. that, that somebody would go buy a ticket sight unseen. Yeah. Um, and the problem is is that you're starting to have the same problem that comics always had, which is essentially that you keep doing these major crossovers and you get kind of sick of crossovers. You kind of either want this one story or new stories to go in the same way. Yeah. And this most recent Avengers movie, and this doesn't spoil anything, felt to me, rather than a capstone of the second round, it's kind of like, and we're piling more on. And so then this next thing is going to be where the capstone is. And But it's almost like you're trying to chase your tail. Right. Um, and so that was one of the big disappointments I had. But, you know, a lot of this model is just the old comics model. They did this all the time. Yeah. They would have popular characters that sold well. Uh-huh. And they'd do team books there you bring all these popular characters in and you try out essentially it was like a dry run or a, a dress rehearsal for other characters and if they were really popular then they'd go get off and get their own series Wolverine was a perfect example Wolverine started in Giant Size X-Men number one where they're introducing a whole new team and now granted yeah. Wolverine had been introduced in an old Hulk comic and it's kind of as a villain it's a long story but <laughs> uh, but he was kind of more mainstreamed if you will in X-Men Yeah, and he got super popular uh-huh. um, and so then they say well not only is he going to be a star of the X-Men but he's also going to have Wolverine his own series Yeah, and that's essentially what Marvel's been doing this whole time now the next thing they're going to do is probably do the crossover thing so they take popular characters and put them in unpopular characters or unknown characters movies that's like when you're reading comics you're walking through the comic store and you see Wolverine who's your favorite character and he's on there on an issue of Rom Space Knight and you're like, why is Wolverine on Rom Space Knight? Well, it's because Marvel wants you to buy Rom Space Knight, but Wolverine is what sells comic books. Yeah. And so you read that, and you're like, it kind of suckers you into it. Well, I like Wolverine, so I'll give this a try. And then you read it and you realize that Rom Space Knight may not be the world's greatest character. Um, well, you know, and that kind of comes back to, I and mean, I talked about this a couple weeks ago with Brad. It's funny because Brad right now is probably fainted because I actually mentioned <laughs> Rom Space Knight on the air. You, you know, he did he did send us a good tweet. I hadn't brought it up yet, but he said uh, he said, you know, your your guest tonight is really classing up the show. <laughs> nice. and, uh, exactly. So I'm sure that I'm sure that he's this very is why we're on radio, you. not TV. Yes, and uh, and so yeah. Oh gosh, we got one minute left. Um, so. I, I just I don't know. Like it bugs me to death that there's not one continuous story written by a guy. 
You know, like, or at least, like, I don't know, and this is the same problem I also have with, like, uh, the, the Warhammer stuff and the Codex system, is that it's all, like, there's these different groups of people who are writing stuff out. But anyway, we're up on the break, so I'm going to go ahead and send us there, and we will be right back. Don't forget to tweet us your questions at MyWorldRadio. I'm 
save our lives Machines Welcome back to My World Radio. We've been having way too much fun. Over oh, it's the been break. a blast, man. It's, you know, we had we had the uh, Sticks, Mr. Roboto playing, and I've got the dumbest story. I used to be a lifeguard, I mentioned earlier in the show. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember, I mean, I was in high school, and somehow that was the first time I heard that song, was while I was lifeguarding. And, I mean, we did all kinds of stupid stuff. Me and my buddy, um, Matt who was a, a different Matt, not this one, who, uh, you know, That's we... Okay. we let, let, let me, stupid stuff, let me make this Mr. Roboto. This is a different Matt. We would, um, we were lifeguards together, and we would actually, um, like, anytime there was a storm, like, we would play whatever cool song we had, whether it was uh, Mr. Roboto or um, um, Godsmack, uh, what it was, a Voodoo by Godsmack, and we would have rainstorms, and we would take the pool equipment, the hook, like the life-saving hook, in a rainstorm, and start dancing around a pool, like <laughs> trying to attract lightning because we're morons. <laughs> and, um, Did you, know, you also work in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Spice Girls on that uh, nice know, music rotation? I'm pretty sure it was in the rotation because I, I was the lifeguard that everybody liked because I actually played music. Like I would have music there because I I could not sit there for eight hours. Oh yeah, in quiet. Like not that I couldn't do that today, but. I needed something at that point in time, and um, yeah, that's just how that worked. I don't know. That was a stupid story. I shouldn't tell that. <laughs> no, I thought that but, was very entertaining. Uh, we had a we had another good tweet uh, from from uh, given to uh, what does it say? Given to raving is, uh, <laughs> is Brad's. Wow. Is Brad's? I wonder uh, a picture Brad as a raver. I you know I could see Brad as a raver. I think he would. Uh, you know I bet. Do you think he's the lone still guy in the whole thing? Like that's his shtick. He just stands there in the middle <laughs> and doesn't move. He's like I'm nonconformist to the point where I won't even rave. I you know I think actually it's the opposite. I think that his his nor- like Brad is that guy who's quiet and reserved in real life and then the moment he gets to the rave floor he's the one handing out x right <laughs> and, and he's just he's he's on acid and something else at the same time which by the way kids you should not do drugs somehow i've worked in a don't do drugs like every single i feel it's my duty given my profession to also say you should not do drugs you especially not. not ecstasy or any other mind altering substance and, and brad don't do drugs don't That's do right. drugs at raves especially i think i can count the number of times brad's been mad on one finger I, I don't At least that I've seen. <laughs> you know, but um, he tweeted us another good message, and it and kind of reminded me of something else that happened over the last couple of days. He said, um, Matter Eater Lad t-shirts. And we were talking about his t-shirts earlier and how great they yeah. were. Matter Eating Lad, for those of you that uh, aren't complete comic nerds, and you pretty much have to be one to know this, was a, uh, so I'm self-identifying. Hi, my name is Matt. I'm a, comic book nerd um 
is uh, is a member of the Legion of Superheroes, which uh, exists in the 30th century or something like that. You, a far you, future, you're essentially. You're beyond me on this one. This is a, a Silver Age organization that they kept bringing forward, and they were all just as crazy as most <laughs> Silver Age people are. And Matter Eater Lad, I, I've always had a sweet spot in my heart just because it's so absurd <laughs> that uh, his superpowers, literally, he can just eat any kind of matter. That's it. It doesn't, doesn't like, power him up. He can't shoot beams. Does he get... Does it get full? I don't think so. And, and that's the thing. And the only time he's useful is literally it's like, oh, we're in a prison again. Well, matter to lad, once again, you need to eat us out. <laughs> uh, phrasing. Um, but uh, <laughs> Oh, 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 wait a second. Wait a second. <laughs> Mom, if you're listening, exactly. that's how phrasing works. <laughs> exactly. I've been trying to explain to her for right. weeks how phrasing works, and that was perfect. Thank right. you. No problem. <laughs> I'm here to class the joint up, but the uh, obviously I'm. But uh, but that's really his only job. It's like you know, it's they have to drive him to places where there's something like the only way out of this particular conundrum is someone has to eat titanium. Well, good thing we brought matter eater lad. You know, essentially it's like Aquaman. You know, the only time he's helpful is if there's a water body that's nearby. That's not true. Aquaman is useful anywhere. Aquaman yeah. is my favorite superhero. Wow, you do that. have messed up priorities. Like, I hate Superman. I love Aquaman. Aquaman's a cool guy, man. Yeah, I like Aquaman. I've written well, <laughs> and I, I agree with you. You know, as far as there's no such thing as bad characters, only bad writers. Right. But I did get the feeling in the Super Friends that you kind of you had this feeling like any time the stress signal came up, his first question was, "Is there water involved? That, is there water involved?" And you're like, "No, there's not." Ah, oh, sorry, you're on monitor duty again. There was this oh. comedian years ago who had. I, I don't know. At the end of the hour, I did this back in the Hall of Justice thing. I, that, I got that. There was some comedian. It's actually meanwhile. It was, meanwhile, yeah. in the Hall of Justice. And he did this thing, and I remember to this day, he says, Meanwhile, back in the Hall of Justice, Aquaman <laughs> prepares a tuna sandwich. That's right. <laughs> boop, 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 that's right. <laughs> exactly. And I think that's what really originally endeared Aquaman to me, was how much people hated him. And so I was like, okay, well, I'm contrarian to everything, so I'm going to find a reason to like Aquaman. And you know what I like about Aquaman is that he's a jerk. <laughs> well, he doesn't necessarily care about saving anybody. <laughs> I, you know, the thing, he, he can be, like I said, it, there are, there's no such thing as bad characters. There are only bad writers. Uh, I remember Peter David did a great run on Aquaman where he actually made him kind of cool and interesting yeah. and kind of Arthurian, but... But anyway, uh, Matter Eater Lad t-shirts, though. Matter Eater that? Lad t-shirts. And you know what rem- What that reminded me of, because we got back on the subject of Matter Eater Lad, and I'm, I'm glad that it got brought up. Um, yesterday, there was this sort of superhero renaissance on Facebook where <clears throat> all of a sudden, if, if you were anybody, your feed was filled with pictures of the most random superheroes if you knew anybody who was a geek, because if in the way it went, and I actually got it from you, and I thought you had made it up at first. I, I wish I could say that I did, but I didn't. I have to give a hat tip out to a buddy of mine in Florida by the name of Scott Coven. Right. He put Moon Knight up there and said, if you like this picture, I'll give you an assignment, just like I put on. And so he yeah. gave me Doctor Strange, and so I put Doctor Strange up. And then I would just start handing out anybody that liked it. I would just in the comments, I would just hand out whatever whatever character they got. And and what it was is just like Matt described. 
like this post and I will I will name a superhero and then you can do the same for everybody else and that superhero is is your Facebook persona essentially and you assigned me purple man <laughs> that's which right I don't even know how you knew about that character I already I self-identified as a comics geek and plus if I'm gonna do it I mean what's the fun in giving people characters that they know so I made a point of always obviously people that are, are friends with me that aren't comic book nerds and they ask me stuff I'd give them something that was at least remote like you nice. know, you know this guy. Daredevil right, has been exactly. recently lately, so you got great Daredevil. TV show. But yes, I mean, I would or Wolverine, and so or Captain America. My father-in-law liked it, so I gave him yeah. Captain America. He served in the military. I thought it worked great. And I usually try to make it something that kind of fit to a certain extent with the mm-hmm. persona. And you have the radio show, and Purple Man's power is persuasion. <laughs> usually, by he can tell people something, and he yeah. can persuade them to do what he wants to do. That, I read that. I got. Right. I got. I got all into the Wikipedia about him. It, it, interestingly enough. Wikipedia is there anything it doesn't know? It, it, there's nothing. There's it probably doesn't like 14 know. pages on Stiltman on Wikipedia. <laughs> but uh, Purple Man is actually getting ready to be brought up in pop culture. We were just talking about how they have the uh, the Daredevil show on Netflix, which is really good. If you haven't seen it and and it has, has, is of any interest to you whatsoever. You need to check out Daredevil. It's even for people who don't like comic book stuff. It's a really great just crime story, crime drama type mm-hmm. of deal. And um, yeah, and I think it succeeds in all the places where, as far as a TV show goes. If you're going to do Marvel universes and TV show, that Agents of Shield, which I also watch because duh, um, <laughs> is um, uh, kind of falls down in in the sense that it gives you a totally different world, yeah, and kind of a street level view of the Marvel universe and a totally different perspective, which is really the great thing about TV or, or smaller venues, right? Yeah. It's, you can have big movies because you need a you need big names and big drama as far as spaceships and stuff like that to sell tickets for a big m- movie. Right. For a Netflix show, you may not need that, and it gives you the opportunity to tell these kind of one-off or smaller stories, uh-huh. more character-driven pieces where you don't necessarily need all the spectacle of like. Destroying in a metro, major metropolitan area. Right. Well, and you know, and I think that's the really great thing about the Daredevil um, TV show. And I've been wanting to talk about this for weeks, but I just haven't really gotten around to it. I guess. Um, you know, I mean, it, it's such a cool story because it, it takes place in what can only be perceived to be actual New York. Mm-hmm. You know, in Hell's Kitchen. I mean, I, I went up to Hell's Kitchen when I when I visited a couple years ago, strictly because I knew it from Daredevil, and I just wanted to say I'd been there. And um, I mean, it looks the exact same. They didn't. The go fact that you acted as a vigilante and beat up a couple uh, yeah. street criminals is, is totally beside the point, right? You know, I mean, <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I had to. <laughs> you just told the cops, "I'm here because I like Daredevil." Oh, okay, you you're weren't one of those. supposed to tell that story on the air, Matt. Now they're trying right. for me. Exactly. <laughs> I'm sure they get a lot of that. It's like Daredevil-related crimes. <laughs> but uh, well, you know, they have that guy in uh, where is it? Seattle, I think. The Phoenix, you know, who actually <laughs> right. does dress up in, in yeah. full costume. Yeah. Well, let's just call it, it, it. That's another form of LARPing. Yeah, it's another form of LARPing. <laughs> except, it's, except half of the the parties involved do not realize that they're LARPing. I didn't they know actually if think you know that this, they're going to beat you up and maybe to death. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no. There's, there's, there's really a guy, and who's up there, and he, uh, he, he's like a, a former MMA fighter, and he carries. A I'm sure he was very good in MMA. That's why his next career choice was I'm going to go be a vigilante. Well, I don't know how good he was, but he, I mean, he, he, I think, I think I, they, they had a whole ESPN special about him. So, like, if you've got access to all the ESPN stuff, like through your Apple TV or whatever, you should check it out. But um, 
he was a former MMA fighter, and I think he either got hurt or he had a kid or something like that. Some life-changing event happened, and he's like, hey, you know what? I think I'm going to go fight crime and potentially get shot or stabbed instead. So uh, <laughs> It's funny, you know, we're... we're, we're Semi-making fun of this guy, but he essentially has the exact same origin story of every superhero that we love. But it happens in real life. It's like, well, yeah, but it's a comic book. I mean, this guy, yeah, his kid died and he became a vigilante. In the comics, we're, we're like, well, of course, that's that's what you that's do. What you do but here, we're like, are you crazy? Well, like, and, that, and I think can't, it's aren't there support groups? I'm pretty sure those support groups are not called the Justice League. Well, but I mean, that's an interesting thing, though. Too is like, where do you draw the line? Because there, I mean, all of us have this little bitty part of us that wants to be Batman. Well, that's the, that's the appeal of Batman, right? It's like you can, you could. Everybody thinks that if if I just train hard enough, I could totally be Batman. I could do that. That's right. I could I totally could, do I that. Do I mean, that. I mean, how hard is it to know kung fu? It's right? not that hard. I mean, no, I can buy can body it. armor. I mean, I, I saw Bruce Lee on the TV one time. <laughs> I'm just a four one k away from having a bat cave. I mean, I mean, that's all I need. I mean, how hard could that be? But. uh... I mean, I don't know. So We're just going to buy a butler. <laughs> I think you just recruit butlers, like, in, in foreign countries. <laughs> exactly. You must be able to work for alter ego. You, you either raise <laughs> them from birth or you or you recruit them from Britain. That's it's right. what you do. So uh, what is your stance, uh, Mr. Jeeves, is it, uh, on, uh, <laughs> on secret lairs and uh, being a field medic? Are you trustworthy? <laughs> Are you on Facebook? I intend to be stabbed a lot. <laughs> Can you fix that? <laughs> what is what is your stance on social media? I'm going to need you to cut all ties to everybody except me, essentially. <laughs> exactly. How are you dealing with, say, laughing gas or riddle-related crimes? <laughs> so, um, gosh, we've only got a few minutes left. We're already we're already under 15 minutes left for the show. Amazing. Oh, but, uh, we were talking about uh, Purple Man and that whole thing that happened with Facebook. There's a new show coming out, and you were starting to tell me about it That's right. before the show. Uh, tell me how that works. So, and again, uh, what my understanding of it is, is that essentially Marvel is, is teamed up with Netflix to create its own set of series of shows. Daredevil was the first of the four. There are four shows they planned. I think the next one is called A.K.A. Jessica Jones. Uh, which the which premise is the is one that he's going to be in. He's going to be in, and, and she, he's being played by. For those of you who know who follow Doctor Who, he's being played by David Tennant, the right. uh, I, who I believe was the tenth Doctor. Right. So yeah. he, uh, would, so that leads me to believe that he's probably going to be kind of the big bad for that particular story arc. Um, and it's about uh, a girl who used to be a superhero but lost her powers, but I think now works as a. Um, uh, kind of an investigator with the police department for right. superhero and superhero related crimes. I think it's based off of uh, a, a comic book called Alias. I may be wrong about this. No, you're right. Brad yeah. um, Brad knows a lot more about that. My comics following very closely stopped about 2000. So yeah. right the height of, you know, once shoulder pads and pockets were gone, <laughs> I was like, well, I'm out of here. You know, <laughs> Forget that. No more shoulder pockets and pouches. I, I, I can't be here anymore. But, uh, but it's about that. And then the other two are my personal fan favorite, uh, Iron Fist. Okay. Um, and then the next one will be Power Man or Luke Cage. Okay. Um, and those four together are supposed to be forming a version of the Defenders. Uh, who are the Defenders? Are the well, that's an excellent question because the Defenders <laughs> roster has changed. Uh, uh, they're kind of a B-list Avengers, to be honest with you. Sounds like it. When they when they first started out, they were pretty power. They were made of pretty powerful guys. It was like uh, it was Silver Surfer. It was uh, Doctor Strange, the Hulk. Um, the Hulk know. just likes to start teams and then leave them. 
A lot of times, yeah. And yeah. I think Valkyrie was the fourth one. I know she was one of the ones, and I think at some point they got Black Knight or anybody else. They're like, well, the Avengers won't take him. Well, Black Knight essentially would just camp out on <laughs> their front door until they, nobody likes Black Knight. And, you know, he's just camping out on their front door. He's like, fine, you can be a defender. Get in here. Um, Come on in. But anyway, um, and I, again, I'm sure Brad could tell me who the fourth one was. But the point of the matter was is that they've had a variable roster. But it's just a name that Marvel owns the rights to, essentially. Yeah. And they're going to shove these all in. Because Iron Fist and Power Man were heroes for hire for the long time. And that's how most people who grew up in my generation knew them. Yeah. Either independently or um, or as heroes for hire. And the interesting thing about those two, quite honestly, is, is that they're the most 70s heroes ever because essentially you have a black exploitation film star and a kung fu exploitation uh, film star together in a book together it's like uh, it's essentially it's like dueling racist viewpoints essentially you've got (laughs) of course the the kung fu guy they didn't get you know Shang Chai who was the master of kung fu in the Marvel Universe who is actually Asian instead they get the the blonde-haired, blue-eyed, white, rich guy who just happens to go to Nepal or, or actually Kunlun. It's a mas- mystical city out of this realm of reality and master of uh, kung fu and, 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 and things like that. But yeah, it's it's one of those things that even ironically, it's awesome um, <laughs> because it's just, really? We're doing that? I mean, it was, uh, yeah, it, I love it. It, it. it should be offensive, but it's comics, right? I mean, right. that's the great thing about comics is like some things can be offensive but it's like it's a comic book everybody's like oh it's not offensive that's just hilarious you can't really take it too seriously like I don't know like we were talking last week uh, when when Becky was on here about a lot of the uh, like feminist movement within the comic universe and and I'm one of those guys who like I I look at it and I'm like okay yeah but the Joker's supposed to be really scary you know and yeah (laughs) you know there is a fine line you know I was never so aware of that as when I had daughters uh, about some of that stuff right and I tell you that the thing that and most parents out there will will shudder when I mention this uh, the movie that kind of revealed that to me to a certain extent was Frozen because if you actually watch Frozen it's essentially a superhero movie for girls right and the reason I say that is, and it's a very, it's probably the most feminine directed or, or, or female directed movie like that I have ever seen, only because if you really look at the characters, the strong characters who make all the decisions in that movie are all the girls. Right. And the guys are generally either evil or kind of buffoons. Right. During the whole movie, right? Okay, yeah. And so as I was watching this movie, A, I kind of liked it. And I will say that that Let It Go song that all the parents in the world are tired of. Right. It also <laughs> happens to work really great. Just watch, play that movie and watch, like, Superman. Because essentially that song is Superman. Because it's all about going up. I mean, well, the cold never bothered me anywhere. The Fortress of Solitude's up in the Arctic. Yeah. You know, and he's hiding his powers and he's younger because he doesn't want anybody to know. But eventually he's decided that now he's going to, like a phoenix rising, not the phoenix in Seattle, um, <laughs> <laughs> but that he's going to, you know, to, to go out in the world and he's going to not hold himself back anymore. He's going to be a true expression of himself. Um, but that film, getting back to kind of on the point, that film was, was kind of interesting because I'm like, you know, I guess this is kind of... And I remember watching it at first, I was like, why are all the guys dorks? This is... I mean, isn't there anybody that I can root for? And then, which was I admittedly kind of sexist of me, and then I kind of opened my eyes, and I was like, well, wait a minute. This is probably how all these superhero movies have been, like, ad infinitum for a lot of the girls out there that yeah. like comics, but they're like, so I'm supposed to... So in a Superman book, I like Superman, but I'm supposed to identify with him 
and I want to identify with him, but the female role model I have is the one that keeps jumping out the window just to prove that Clark Kent is Superman. Like, this is my role model here. This girl, the one who's like, I'm going to write him a super, you know, love poem to see if he'll be friends with me. And and let's be honest, Superman, especially in the Silver Age, treated Lois like dirt. I mean, he's always like, Lois, you've gained some weight. I'm going to put you in my super incubator and, you know, get it all off. I I have this fantastic, to me, I just think it's hilarious. I know it, it shouldn't be hilarious. A picture of Superman on my phone where he's he's carrying her around like he's flying as Superman obviously and she's just on his back like holding on and they're just there she starts to tell him about her but she goes oh I've never told you about my past and he's like oh well don't start now because I'd have to charge you for baggage and he like starts laughing and she falls off and he's just like oh you know, but the, the, the really sad thing is that's really not that far from how he treated her most I mean most of the comics they treat her that way um, and even in things like Wonder Woman, ostensibly about you know Wonder Woman, you always had to have like the male guy that that would Steve Trevor, and, and he couldn't just be like the helpless uh, person in distress, man in distress. He was always like, I'm a secret agent, also, so I'm totally equal with her, even though she can pretty much punch a mountain. Yeah, you know, but I have a gun, and I'm a guy, <laughs> so therefore, of course, I know what's going on. Well, you had you had another good Facebook post that I picked up on it and it was you were talking about there was a princess or superhero party tell me a little bit about that so my kids uh are on summer swim team and every time you have a meet with another team they have a a theme Uh and so the theme for this particular week was come as either a superhero or a princess and the idea being that maybe girls didn't want to dress up as princesses or as superheroes rather and that maybe boys didn't want to dress up as princesses or princesses um and so uh, they did that, and so, of course, me being a comic geek, I'm talking to my younger daughter, and, I, and she was like, well, I'm going to put this thing on, and but I'm going to wear a Hulk t-shirt. And I was like, well, that's fine. I was like, or if you want, you can just dress up as Wonder Woman, because she's both a superhero and a princess. Which was genius, by and, the way. And she looks at me, and she, like, I like I have four heads. She's like, what? And I was like, Wonder Woman is a princess. No, she's not. I was like, no, she really is. She's the <laughs> she's the princess of Themyscira, or however you pronounce it. Essentially, princess of the Amazon. Her, her mom is Hippolyta. I mean, she, and, uh, and even my wife's like, I didn't know that. And I was like, what is our educational system doing? <laughs> new math, and won't even tell them that Wonder Woman's a princess. New math. I hate new math. But <laughs> you have no kids, but you hate new math. I, on I do. I, I, you know, Just to be fair, I also hated old math. I hate. I hated math. <laughs> In school, my mom hates this because my ma- my mom has a math degree. Yeah, I do too, and, actually. And See, your mom and I would get along great. Y- you you all would get along way too well. That's just why I've never brought you around because then all of a sudden right. you can have <laughs> exactly. mom pressure through my friends. So um, <laughs> you can have a whole show, or it's just me and your mom. Like, Andrew, let's talk about your life choices. Let's, let's talk about Andrew and how terrible of a person he is. Um, you know what? There's we got just a couple minutes left, and there's a new game I've been playing with all of my guest hosts recently, and uh, and I want to play it with you. And it's uh, Would You Rather. All right. This will only end badly. No, well, no, no. I'm gonna, I, I've got some. I've got some different. Uh, I've got some different questions that I've looked up today. All right, and, bring it. Uh, I'm ready. Let's do right. this. Ready? We're gonna start off really geeky. Would you rather belong to House Lannister or House Stark? I'm gonna say House Stark, and here's the reason why. Go ahead. Um, now, keep in mind for for those book nerds at home, I've only watched the show, and we won't get into that. But the reason is, is because if you look at the how the show is going right now and how the storyline is going, yes, Stark got an early hit, and that and they're really down. 
but they are ascendant now, or they're going to—they're moving into ascendancy again. And Lannister's on the way down, so right. I'm always looking to the future. So I'm going to say House Stark. House Stark. All right. If I can survive right. that first round, I'm good. Would you rather be Steve Jobs? Be, obviously, not dead. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Or Bill Gates? Another good question. Um, I would break this down. When I hear that question, my thought is: Do you want to be? the guy the idea guy or do you want to be the guy where the rubber meets the road and actually makes the company move uh and i quite honestly i like being the idea guy um but i'd rather be the guy that where the rubber meets the road you'd rather i know myself i'm more of a rubber meets the road kind of guy i'd like to think i'm the idea guy but i'm really a rubber meets the road guy see i'm totally an idea guy so i'll I'll tell you what we'll start a company together i'll be the idea guy and you can screw me out (laughs) exactly what you're saying is i'll be the idea guy and you can do all the work um and then uh and then last one because i have to make something that's really like i've just i've I've continuously had a, a weird like total fantasy question but i know that you like science fiction so I'm going to go in a science fiction direction. Oh, you can go fantasy either way. No, it's it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Sure, show me. Would you rather have a colony on the moon that you're the governor of, or would you rather be the most plebeian member of an interstellar spacecraft? Hmm. Well, I... Who am I kidding? I'm a surgeon, right? So ego is everything. I'd definitely be the governor of the moon colony. Governor of the moon colony. Or as I like to call it, Shane One. Shane One. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, uh, Dr. Matt Shane, it was great having you again. I know you don't like doctor, but ladies and gentlemen, the first doctor of Lexington, (laughs) Matt Shane. Uh, thank, thank you. I, I had a blast. Anytime you want me on, I'm happy to do that. Well, this you know, fun. I, I'm going to start having eventually a regular rotation of my friends. Because like I said, this is my world, and it's just an opportunity for me and my friends to talk about the things that we like to talk about. And and clearly, you and I can talk for hours oh, yeah. about nothing. We didn't even bring up my favorite Saturday morning cartoon show. And I mean, maybe next time we can talk about Thundar the Barbarian. Well, I really want to get into an argument with you about Superman. Oh, we can totally do that. And and I, and I know that we started to talk about Superman, but I wasn't going to let you go there because we didn't have enough time. Right. Well, that's fine. <laughs> but uh, gives us something to talk about later. Just so prove how wrong you are. Well, thank you for coming in today, and uh, I'm going to go ahead and get everybody back to the music. And it was good having you. Well, thanks for having me. Get out of my world. Talk to you tomorrow. This is 93.7 WRVG, where we're always commercial free.